Hello humans, this is Brandon with episode 43 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. They keep coming back, so I'll introduce them. As always, I've got my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. Say it with me. I feel the need. The need for speed. (laughs) Very funny. And Josh. Hello humans. This week we'll be covering Flash number 770, Nightwing number 80, Justice League number 61, Catwoman number 31, Wonder Girl number 1, and Infinite Frontier Secret Files number 3. Before we get going, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. But before we get into the books, what's new this week, guys? I, just I know wanna... Rob's got. I know Rob's got info on the round robin. He's always up on that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Before I get into that, I just want to say to my fellow Canadians, have a happy long weekend this weekend. Happy Victoria Day to you all. Oh, it's Victoria <laughs> Day. Drink <laughs> lots of beer Very with nice. all your two fours. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, <laughs> yeah. Texas Mickey's. Sir. I said, and get some Texas Mickey's. Oh yeah. And scotch and all sorts. Yeah. Um. Right. So round robin. I. I. I want to. I want to recount. I think they stole the election. <laughs> I think there's some f- colluding going on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, DC yeah. spreading fake news. Fake <laughs> news. Election fraud. So I. I as a Canadian do not have access to the DC Universe Infinite app, but I oh, did no. check the Twitter poll and the Instagram poll. And even though both apps, the users were saying that the results were based on the other apps' votes, Green Lanterns beat Robins on Twitter. And I actually no no the on Instagram Robins beat Green Lantern by a small margin. It was like two percent, mm-hmm. which I think would be next to nothing. They don't show the vote count on there. But on Twitter, Green Lantern beat Robbins, I believe, by 10 to 12%. But I don't have a way to check what DC Universe says, so that might be where all the votes count. And if yeah, Robbins lost there, what from. the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Robbins took it, and they're going up against who? So they are going up against Suicide Squad 7. Another oh bit of an God. upset. Did you I'm guys surprised. ever see that coming? Really? Like, no. <laughs> I I don't think that's a surprise at all. I thought they I knew they were going to be Superman and Lois or Lois and Superman or whatever it's called. It's just there are more Suicide Squad fans out there because of the movies. Mm-hmm. But like Jaime Reyes, though. <laughs> When's the last time we had a Blue Beetle book? Oh. I'm right there with you. Yeah, but yeah. I agree, so, though. The movie fans probably did take this one. Yeah, so Robins or Suicide Squad 7. Jeez, guys. I wonder who will win. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be really surprised if Suicide Squad even sees the light of day. Oh, definitely. I, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be mad if DC just turned around and be like, okay... All four of these books are going to get published, and the winner's going to get something a little extra. Who knows? But, like, ah, these that final four, all the books sounded interesting, but these final four, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would read the shit out of all of them. 
to be honest with you, I would probably read every idea that they pitched. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were all pretty good. Yeah, they were. I mean, even if, you know, even just being one shots, at least is, at least we'd get a little bit of all those different stories. And, and you know, they were all pointed in a, in at least a good direction. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if you guys want your voice to be heard, get on DCUniverseInfinite.com. Unless you're Canadian, then you can take part of it at DC Comics on Twitter and they're in their Instagram stories, too. Round four, the final battle, will start up on May 25th and finish on June 1st. So, um, have either of you guys paid attention to this uh, Batman Fortnite crossover? Not, not I have not. I, I played Fortnite for a bit, but when I stopped playing i stopped caring and i just yeah. i'm over it i'm i'm not a huge fan of fortnite i i uh i tried it out a little bit not a big fan but um my kids are really super into it yeah. and you know of course they mm-hmm. like their comic book characters so uh they are avid youtube fans and they caught wind of the batman fortnite crossover event that they were doing and apparently the deal is you go on to dcuniverse.infinite.com and you can buy your subscription there. And while you're there, you get these six issues of Batman Fortnite or the crossover of those. And with every issue that you read, you get a free thing in Fortnite, right? Then if you eat all, if you read all six of them, you get a special thing. My kids begged me and begged me and begged me to go ahead and to do this, right? So, of course, the very first time they've ever begged me for a comic book, I go down to my LCS shop with a mission, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we walk in, and there's, like, three moms in there oh, standing around asking if they <laughs> think they're going to get the Batman Fortnite in. Oh, and no. uh, they, 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 they had sold out before the, before the shop had even opened. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wow. they are very, very difficult to get. But if you want them, you can pick them up on DCUniverseInfinite.com. It's it's crazy. And I had to buy an extra subscription. I had to buy two subscriptions to DCUniverse.com because I had mine. And then I had to buy another one. I gave my accounts bonus point stuff to my oldest son. And then I had to make a new one for my littlest. So now DC's getting $30 a month out of me just so my <laughs> kids can get Fortnite skins. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, talk about a marketing plan that works. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and uh, I was over on that website, and I found a pretty neat little thing. I don't know if you guys caught wind of it or not, but they got this this book club that's actually on there, and it's a small community of members that get together and discuss different trades. I thought that was kind of cool. They're creating soundtracks to those trades, and oh, uh, cool. they did Superman smashes the plan this week and that led to Jean Luen Yang doing a live Q&A on Instagram this past Tuesday mm-hmm. and uh, if you missed it you missed out because it was pretty good man and the last bit of news I got is and I don't know if this is news to you guys but I just found this out um, the beginning of this week August 31st Aqua fans everywhere will actually get to read an 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular issue mm-hmm. and I did not think that they were going to do this for Aquaman I really had no expect- expectations at all and on top of that it's got 8 variant covers and it shows Aquaman through all of the decades starting in the 40s going all the way through the 2000s oh that's I'm, awesome I'm so- 
I'm super stoked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just read about that today. I, I I couldn't believe my eyes either, but I'm super excited. So, did yeah, super they cool. uh, say anything about who's going to be on the creative teams? Uh, if you saw, you know what? That, that escaped me. I want to say, I want to say it wasn't listed, but it could have been. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see myself, but. I'm down for whoever. <laughs> I need yeah, some Aquaman yeah. in my life. We don't have any right now. Oh, Let's yeah. do it. Hey, Brandon, how was your first complete school-free week? Uh, it's it's been pretty good. You know, I've uh, you know just kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm still working, but uh, doing uh doing some some more reading, which is really nice. Um, I I kind of finished my um, I talked about it last time. My DC New 52 Dark reading thing. Right, um, so right. I'm done with that. Uh, but I kind of I kind of took a break from the DC and the Marvel stuff just the past like week and a half just because I, I needed a break from it, uh, at least for a, a little while. Um, so I, I just, I, I've kind of been reading more like other stuff this week. So I've been reading a lot of Hellboy lately and that's been really cool. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of yeah, just kind of starting off with like a lot of the the short stories they have, and um, I, I just got Wake the Devil the other day. And oh, good deal! I'm looking forward to reading that. And then um, I think I was inspired. We covered Future State Gotham last week, and um, it, it made me realize like how much I kind of missed reading manga. So I kind of started picking up some of those again, and um, just reading some stuff by like Tetsuo Hara and Junji Ito and um, oh, just stuff huh. stuff that I really like um, that, that's been kind of nice to read so it's it's been cool just getting to read some other stuff for a little while right on right on right on so speaking of Junji Ito have you read The Curse of Amigara Fault? I haven't oh I God. haven't it, it's on my reading it list it gets so much attention online and that's how I discovered it really um because there's there's a meme across Reddit, and they always go back <laughs> to that chapter of his writing, hit that story mm. rather, and it's it it was my intro, and it it hooked me. That is an amazing story. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize he puts out like these. Um, I mean, I guess we call them graphic novels, but these like complete stories that you can just kind of read. And and I saw them, and they're they're really nice because it's not you know it's not like fifteen or twenty chapters or anything. It's yeah. just the it's the whole thing, which is really great. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, I'm I'm not even like a big horror guy, but I, I got that on recommendation from someone who is really into to manga, and they recommended that and. Uh, there, there have been some ones that are a trip, but it's it's been really nice. What was that name again? Because I've never really been into manga all that much. I guess I'm a little too old for it. But yeah, uh, it's uh, Junji Ito. He does a lot of horror manga. So Junji Ito. Mm-hmm. Right. You know yeah. what? I'll go and check it out. Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's sometimes it's just it's a nice breather away from things, which uh, yeah. which is always nice, but. Uh, that's that's kind of all I had for news. That and the um, the I didn't know if one of you guys were going to talk about it, but the the Fear State event that was just announced a couple of days ago, um, which is clearly building up to uh, to Future State, yeah, um, mm-hmm. and all the Peacekeeper and Magistrate stuff. 
Yeah, I don't think they're hiding that one too well. <laughs> no, oh, the um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, just a shout out to this book here, is Shadow of the Batgirl. It's a YA novel about Cassandra Cain, and it's, um, I mean, it's not my exact favorite kind of art style, but the story is really good. It's fun for young adults, but the, the backstory has really not changed. She's still a... Mm girl who was raised to be mute and only read body language and and you know uh, not be illiterate and and, and uh, master killer and so I mean it's 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 a pretty good book man check it out that's awesome it, that's all I got yeah um, there there's one more thing there's been a few announcements from DC and their animated line this week Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. See, we're getting, I believe it in the animated features branch, we're getting an Injustice movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be exciting. I can't wait to find out more about that. But we're also getting two new series. Bruce Tim is coming back to animated Batman. I'm so stoked for that. Oh, he's doing the Superman as well? I don't know if he's doing the Superman, but I read the release that we're getting both of those at the same time okay batman vitas and superman Mm -hmm. toss is gonna be yeah i'm cool with it i'm so stoked and the superman Mm -hmm. has been cast the voice has been cast rather and it's jack quaid of all people huey from the boys for those that might not know the name yeah yeah that's exciting i think he'll do a good job awesome man i knew i knew that name from somewhere hmm all right, I guess yeah. that's all the news, huh? That's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, without any further ado, let's get into the books this week. So starting off, we'll be taking a look at Flash number 770. Josh, do you want to tell us all about that one and uh, who brought it to us? I can do that. It was written by Jeremy Adams and art on the cover from Brandon Peterson and Michael Atea. And on the inside, we got art from Jack Herbert, Brad Peterson, Kevin McGuire, and Michael Atea. Lettering was done by Steve Wands. And before I start this, let me just say this. I, and I mean this, I personally think that Jack Herbert should be the artistic standard at DC. Like, if you can't do pencils as good as he can, then you shouldn't be drawing. Herbert isn't perfect when you see, when you, if you really look at his drawings, you can tell that, you know, it's just a guy. This was not done on a computer by any shape. And uh, he, he's just, it's always consistent and it's always good. There's, there's plenty out there that are as good or better. I'm just saying that there's quite a few that aren't on that level and mm-hmm. shouldn't be, at least not until they get better at their craft, you know? Yeah. Except there, there was one thing that was a little inconsistent, which was that, and this isn't Herbert's fault, it's actually the colorist's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look throughout the issue, um, and it, it would, like I said, it's a minor thing, it's a nitpick, just a little, I just found it funny. Um, Jay Garrick has gray temples. Yes. Um, and this is in the 1940s. Which is yeah, he should odd. Have great <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like Jay should be a young man, and yet he's like in his you know late fifties, early sixties, seemingly during World War Two. Uh, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, um, it just it looks really funny. <laughs> I miss that man. I totally. Yeah. I guess because I'm used to seeing Jay Garrett with gray in his hair. 
Yeah, yeah. Normally in the in the present day, that's that's how he looks. But it, you know, you figure this is the '40s when he's a young man. He's probably not gonna have, you know, gray temples. He's not gonna look like Reed Richards. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I mean, that that's how I feel about Herbert. People should be as good, or you know, at least as good as he is. You know, um, until people get better. Romita Jr. and Rosmo, of course. You know how I feel about them. They should be shoved over on a pre-K book and keep them busy until they die. Um, but uh, we were talking about the coloring for Matea, and I just the, the lighting this cat pulls off, dude, it is fucking phenomenal throughout this whole book. But anyway, back to the issue and back to the future. Well, I mean, okay, so actually it's back to the past, so it's just like the movies, right? <laughs> We, we we know from last issue that Wally is jumping through speedster bodies throughout all of time, and now he's inside of Jacob. It would seem that when Wally inhabits a speedster, they get memory loss. In this issue, Garrick is aware of the current situation, but at the end, he doesn't seem to remember much. Past that, damn, was this good. Or at least, it, at the very least, it was refreshing. Yes, at first I was like, come on, guys, why keep picking on Wally? But this, this is just a flash story. It's not them tormenting Wally, and it's a fun one at that. And it's got the ray in it, too, and that's cool. So, plot-wise, Wally has stopped Hitler from getting the Spear of Destiny. And he doesn't exactly do a great job. In fact, Hitler gets his hands on it. So, the Spear apparently allows the Holder to control whatever they want. And at the final confrontation, the spear held the hero's conscious minds in place, preventing them from moving. But it freezes Wally's mind, yet lets Garrick's move. And that's when he socks Hitler right in the face, and the control of the spear is interrupted. Wally grabs the spear, and he absorbs the speed force energy that's exploding from Hitler, before getting pulled into another place in time. Or maybe this is just another place in the Omniverse? I honestly, I don't want to spoil the surprise at the end because I fucking love it. <laughs> but uh, all I will say is, meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom, <laughs> this is so fun so far. And thank you, Jeremy Adams, for it not being a major crisis that will destroy everything Wally loves again. It has been a while, but this is a fun story. This art is really nice, really good to look at it. So I'm giving this an 8.25 out of 10. Awesome. Awesome. What uh, What did you think, Rob? I, I can't even think there's much more to say. It, it was such a fun read. I was looking forward to this one for a while. I, I know Jay Garrick has always been the Flash of World War II, but seeing any other Flash interact with that era of history just seems interesting, especially with the charisma of Wally. Just amazing. And the art. What the hell can I say about the art? It's just fantastic. It really is. Oh, my God. Mm. You know, yeah. with the exception of Jay Garrick's great times. Yes. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that final page was a riot oh my god yeah i won't spoil it but oh my god that (laughs) that was hilarious i I turned in and i went what (laughs) (laughs) all right from the dialogue to the art to the the costume choices the dialogue is hilarious and i'm not going to say anything more without spoiling it but it was great it makes me even more excited for the next issue yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, uh, definitely 
like you said, love seeing issues that focus on uh, Jay Garrick. And his time as the Flash, which I feel like, you know, he's always kind of played the mentor role in modern Flash comics. It's nice to see a story that's set during his time. Those are always really cool to see. Um, and uh, aside from some coloring mishaps, the, the art by Jack Herbert was really well done. So uh, I I was very pleased with this one. I thought it was a, a step up from the previous issue. And I ended yeah, up giving this one sure. a 7.75 out of 10. Awesome, uh, one more thing I can say about it. Uh, the dialogue where Wally is just talking to Barry and Ollie and Mr. Terrific and the Ray has no fucking clue. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Hilarious. That was hilarious. There was, there was so many funny moments. It was oh, yeah. definitely a relaxed, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you would say, atmosphere. And, oh, yeah. and it just, it, it, it's so nice to not have the whole world ending around somebody wearing that mm-hmm. red suit, let alone Wally. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I gave this an 8.5 myself. Fantastic. Yeah. Keep this up. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, if there are no more thoughts, we'll move on to the next issue. So next up, we'll be looking at Nightwing number 80. This was brought to us by... Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo, (laughs) colors from Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So this is spinning out of the dramatic death of Martin Holt, the homeless man that Dick helped in the previous issue by setting him up at a hotel and getting him some pizza. Uh, Dick finds himself at the end of an interrogation by the police who were questioning whether or not he had a hand in the man's death. Uh, After Babs shows up to help Dick with the interrogation and provide Dick an alibi, or provide Dick with an alibi, he decides to look into the matter, starting by looking for Martin's son, Elliot, uh, as they're not really sure where he is. But he'll need a little help from an old friend. And uh, which friend is that, you might ask? Why, it's Tim Drake, of course. Yes! So after uh, Dick and Tim catch up for a bit, and Tim chides Dick on his whole wallet situation, the two of them (laughs) head to the tent city, Uh, where all the children are staying, where they can do a little uh, short recon. Shortly after, two old Nightwing villains show up to wreak havoc on behalf of Blockbuster, and our Bloodhaven duo of Nightwing and Robin are forced to shut them down high-octane style. Uh, But it ain't enough, uh, however, as a fire starts in the tent city to distract the duo and drown them in smoke and shadow. Uh, But from the shadows emerges a mysterious figure dressed in black with a silver mask, a certain figure that Dick can only call Heartless. Uh, this was a, a yeah, very very solid issue. Um, I mean, it's it's you know what what can be said about this book that hasn't already been said about the previous two issues, um, and it's super nice to see uh, you know Nightwing spending some time with uh, with Tim, jumping on trains and just catching up with his with his old bro. Um, so I, I had a lot of fun with it, and as always, Bruno Redondo just shows up and shows out, uh, especially when paired with Adriana Lucas. Right. And I really loved the sequence of um, you know Dick and Tim fighting together, and sometimes stuff like that can be kind of you know one note. But I think he did a really great job in showing how they work well together, and there's a great little thing where you know. Uh, Nightwing puts his two Eskrima sticks together to make a staff and throws it to Tim and 
Yeah, he kind of swings mm-hmm. Tim around, and they're taking out the two old villains, and it's just really cool. So, For sure. I, I, I had a lot of fun with this issue. Um, really, just kind of continues the plot from the last one, uh, and I it felt like it definitely wanted to focus more on the relationship between Dick and Tim. So, not a ton of plot development happened really until the end when Heartless shows up. But uh, still, I had a pretty pretty good time so i ended up giving this one an 8.25 but uh what did you guys think josh what did you think what did what did you think about that cover man uh it's it's phenomenal seriously bruno redondo is just killing it on these covers man i think that this very well could be and i mean i know i've raved about colors covers before and there's all kinds of gorgeous variant covers out there but you know uh covers that took two months to draw aside this is probably my favorite production cover in a very, very, very long time. That it's got a weird mix of like this neonish background with the dot matrix art style, and then it's got this big ass 3D, also neonish hole in the middle of Nightwing's chest. It just it looks amazing, man. I love that thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the writing in this is so hilarious. And like Brandon said, like plot wise, not a lot happens, but this doesn't just set up the story arc that's coming it it shows us who these people are and i know that that sounds crazy because you know these are people that we've known forever but it it's the tone that he's carrying this book through you know what i mean we get an Mm. idea of where nightwing and barbara and tim drake are all at you know and tim drake's not moody and he's not waiting for steph to text him so totally happy about that (laughs) Uh, I thought it was funny when the detectives were in Dick's house and they asked him, why did you leave Bloodhaven Police Department? Bloodhaven Police Department. (laughs) (laughs) And he said because there was too many criminals. And then when they were sitting down and Barbara was in there and they were constantly interrogating Dick and accusing him of shit, the crack legal defense team from the law firm of Grayson, Gordon, and God damn, did they verbally whip those cops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, I mean, it was just, it was hilarious writing. And then um, on top of that, having Dick say that many people's favorite Robin is Tim Drake, me being one of them, because he's the very best Robin and that he totally gets it. I mean, that was cool. Uh-oh. Are very, we about to get into a fight? Uh, <laughs> maybe. But I just, I, I think that... Because <laughs> everybody knows that the best Robin is Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is no longer a Robin. Well, but when he was a Robin, that's my he argument was a great Robin. Against Dick Grayson is because Dick Grayson can no longer be referred to as a robin he he's nightwing now not just because he changed names but that dude evolved as a person so that's oh, yeah. my argument yeah. against that i don't know yeah i still say he's the he's the best robin that ever was he's got he's got the detective skills of batman he's got the fighting skills of nightwing and he's got the smart ass mouth of jason todd He's, <laughs> I love this cat, but in any case, uh, it, when Tim makes fun of Dick getting his wallet stolen, that shit's funny as hell. I really like Taylor's cut on this whole Nightwing world, and that last page with Heartless on it, I thought that looked cool as shit. And mm-hmm. the, uh, the way that he made his helmet reflective and reflecting you know, that fire in his helmet, 
to show it around him in that particular art style. I thought that was a little difficult to do, and he pulled it off, man. I love this so far. I don't know where you guys are at, really, but this got a 910 out of me, man. Yeah, I, I want to say you both made great points about the best Robin, but we all know it's Carrie Kelly. Come on. Uh, uh, I, knew <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. We're about to get into a <laughs> war. About to get into a war. Kelly, come on. We're about to get into <laughs> a Robin <laughs> war. What the hell? Uh, We're about to get into a Robin war. Uh, I will argue and debate nicely with people who have any kind of an opinion on Jason Todd, Damien, or Dick. But if you throw Carrie Kelly in oh, there, I almost cannot be your friend. Uh, <laughs> I, Carrie has her, her moments. Carrie has her moments. Uh, what? Which one? I mean, she's well, just smart ass in there. And, and and I think, honestly, probably 25% of my problem with Carrie Kelly is how ridiculous her costume is. Isn't it just the Robin costume? Yeah, I thought it was like a copy of yeah, Dick Grayson. Yeah, it's the Robin Jean. costume. No, it's, it's, it's a Robin costume that's too big for the person that's wearing it. And she has those big, huge, gaudy-ass green goggles on. Oh, I love the goggles. I, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm biased because I mean, I, I I wear glasses, so I I know what it's like. Oh, I, yeah, um, I wear glasses. So, too, yeah, so I just I don't know. Like <laughs> seeing her running around with those super bright neon glasses was always pretty funny to me. Oh, I couldn't um, stand it. I'm like, this is yeah. not my Batman world. But again, uh, I am in the very small population of people that pretty much don't like anything to do with Miller's Batman universe. So, I mean, I get... Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a small world. Yeah, it's a very, very, very small world. And I'm not taking... I have the same argument about Jimi Hendrix, dude. I am not taking away what he contributed to the creative world that he lives in, but his talent itself, not so much. I enjoyed Sin City way more than I enjoyed his Dark Knight. I can definitely way agree more. with that. Cool, cool. Well, uh, Rob, did you uh, right? So did you give your score, Nightwings. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into that, I I loved the issue. The art was fantastic. The writing is great. I did feel a bit of the comedy between Dick and Tim felt a little forced. As just for me, so that brought the score mm-hmm. down a little bit, but it's still I think a pretty damn high score. It's an eight point five for me. This story is just getting better and better every issue. I love it. Did you hear that shit? He just knocked down a half a point for bad jokes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, technically, both of you guys, both of you guys, gave higher scores on the issue than I did. Yeah, that's I'm supposed true. to be the Nightwing fan. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Uh oh. Yeah, I don't know. That's how it be. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts? Uh, just keep this up, man. I just Definitely. I want to keep this going. I don't want to hear an announcement that all of a sudden his run is cut to 12 issues or some stuff. Uh, yeah, that would that would crush me. Give him a Tom King run. Let him do well, he, he, Williamson run. I I don't I don't use Twitter anymore, but I saw someone posted on Reddit that he had announced plans to 100. So I'm I'm hoping that that can still stay. You know, plans can obviously change, but yeah. um, I'm hoping that 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 stays because I'd love to love to have him around for a while. That would be awesome, man. I'm totally yeah. behind that. But without any further ado, let's move on to our next book. Uh, so we'll be looking at Justice League number sixty-one, 
and uh, I will let Rob take that one away. If you insist. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> this one comes from everybody's favorite Brian Michael Bendis writing. Mm-hmm. With art by David Marquez, <laughs> colors from Tamara Bonvillane, and letters by Josh Reed. So our heroes, him off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> our heroes wake up separated on Naomi's home world, which I don't think has been named yet, and some are exhibiting increased powers. Canary's sonic scream is stronger, but Superman cannot control his heat vision. Batman comes across Naomi, who is showing signs of fading away. This is quickly shaken off as Brutus attacks Superman out of the sky. The rest of the League follow the sound of the impact and regroup to see Black Adam coming to Superman's rescue. The remaining heroes prepare to battle as Adam is taken out, off-panel, leaving the two heavy hitters out of commission, and the rest of the League is about to fight a more powerful Brutus. I think the pacing was really weird this time. Yeah, it jumped around a lot. Yeah. Like, for Black Adam to be taken out off-panel first off, it, like, mm. that panel where he showed up in the lightning, I thought that was really cool, and mm. I was excited to see him take on Brutus, and then we get to see none of it. What the hell? Yeah. And that bit of Naomi fading away, I'm I'm sure he might bring that up later, but the fact that it was just so quickly forgotten about, as soon as the action started, it and it seemed to stop. Her hands were fine. She was fine as soon as Brutus showed up and everybody started fighting. It's just confusing and awkward. Yeah, I think for it to land, you probably would have wanted to just have like two groups of people and focus on one group and then focus on another group instead of just having like individual characters that you focus on that you just kind of jump around you know every every two pages or so dude uh, if there's one thing brian michael bendis does not do it's pay attention to the individuals uh, (laughs) oh man Uh, you know what you guys go ahead and share your opinions i'm gonna i'm gonna shut up and reserve mine to the very end (laughs) oh no please by all means go go ahead I, i don't really have much to say other than you know i i I still really dig the artwork by uh, by David Marquez and um, Marquez's art is really good. Mm-hmm. It always I do enjoy that. Well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, that. I feel like that's not going to change anytime soon. No. Um, but, and right. uh, I do have some pretty interesting and well thought out opinions on the first half of this book that I would call a casual dissertation. Sure, go for <laughs> it. That sounds cool. It, 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 Okay, listen. Um, first, I have a question. Why did they go from calling Naomi an Omega-level meta to maybe being a mega power? What the hell is a mega power? That sounds like something that my kids watch on a Saturday morning cartoon show. <laughs> uh, it's just dumb. Okay, so paraphrasing what exactly is going on here, and this is going to quickly turn into a rant. Uh, so buckle in. There's a group of aliens, especially a guy named Brutus that's supposed to be super powerful and now even more powerful and worthy on taking on the Justice League. All right, hell, this applies to every person in the book, even Batman. They talk like a teenage girl. Not just a regular teenage girl because I'm not trying to offend anyone in general. However, this is more like a really super dumb teenage girl 
drunk on White Claw that kind of skates through life completely oblivious to everything around her while she flunks her math and science classes. That is what is going on here. Look at Aquaman's dialogue, for fuck's sake. He's dying. That's what we're supposed to be shown here. And the words that come out of his mouth are death. That is such horrible dialogue in a major dramatic thing like where Aquaman, Aquaman is supposed to be dying. Why are you making him sound like a fourth rate supervillain like Modoc or some shit? I mean, <laughs> uh, okay, so why do every single one of his characters sound like that? And I mean every single one because I really, and this isn't me just saying that, I honestly sat back and thought about it and I cannot think of a single example since he started writing Miles Morales where his characters haven't sounded like a really stupid drunk teenage girl on White Claw. It, even the captions that he gives the heroes when they first appear are just silly, if not worse. It's a very, 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 very pale attempt at a very washed-up writer to try to stay relevant and cool, and now it is bordering on outright pathetic. I was wondering when Bendis would show up because the first two issues had a little bit of hope, but here we are, on our way to being back in full force. We got a super dense dialogue last time. And now he has hinted at pointing the story, or character at the very least, in a completely different direction with Naomi. I know you're talking at me. What? What is he trying? Nobody even talks. I'm, who says talking at me? It's just dumb dialogue. Within a few issues, we'll see the series stall out because he can't ever wrap a story up. And he'll just force another writer to do it because he'll end his run by leaving his shit open-ended. Like he has on every title he has done since coming into DC. I'm not just complaining about what we get on the page right now, though that is bad enough. This is a problem. Somebody, in, um, I told you guys, this is half-ass dissertation and half-rant. Somebody this lazy and untalented should definitely not be the kind of writer that new creatives should aspire to be. Let alone does he deserve any kind of adoration, especially at this point in his career. Let's just face it, I'm not just sharing my opinion here. Bendis sucks. There, there's ah, uh, he's not so bad. And if you if you don't if you're not invested in the comic books, if you don't love these characters, like love these characters, then sure, I get that because it's shit that won't mean anything to you. But if you're a real comic book fan, I don't know how you could read this trash and not have it go anywhere. Spend a hundred and. Fifty to two hundred dollars on an entire run, and not have any story at all. That's bullshit. Anyway, no matter what, even when he eventually gets his co-writer, he won't be able to pull it off. He has full control over the best of the best superheroes in the world by any publisher, and I have no idea how he got here. Oh yeah, the story is already stale but like he said like Brandon said Marquez's art is really good it's not great in this issue but like I said Marquez's art is always really good I can understand not wanting to put the effort into a book like this for Marquez though and that is this arc's only point of redemption my score for this is 3.5 out of 10 Ooh. I am tired of this stuff did I seem hateful 
Because I didn't want to come across hate. Uh, a little bit, I would say, <laughs> and and uh, I, I would I would actually refute a couple of your points. Go ahead, um, please. Just because I, I I do think it's unfair to call him an unremarkable or untalented figure, because I mean, and, and this this I just know as a as a total history nerd and as a, a student of comics. Um, Brian's actually quite an important figure in comics, he, and I know some that people I can't might argue. And he's a super, super, oh, yeah. nice guy too. I no, can't no, no, argue and that. I mean, I can't. I, I don't. I don't really care about him as a, as a person. I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely man. I've seen him in interviews. He seems very nice. But um, I, 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 I don't know that I would agree that he's untalented. Nor does he fit because, I mean. Again, if if you if you studied your history, you would know that the way most people break into comics now would not exist without Brian Bendis. Which sounds like an exaggeration, but it's it's really true because I mean, when you think about it, most people most people working in the independent scene who you know maybe get a chance to write at one of the big two, that model didn't really exist until Joe Casada brought in Bendis to do Ultimate Spider-Man. Before then, it was if you know an editor working at DC or Marvel, they might give you a chance and a backup. Otherwise, you know, good fucking luck. Right. Um, and I, so, I can't dispute that at all. But yeah. that that is my Jimi Hendrix argument. Jimi Hendrix broke open. Hell, Jimi Hendrix kicked wide open the door for rock and roll and changed it forever. Made. So many genres of music come to life from what he did. But as far as what he really did was he picked up a guitar, he played it backwards, and took ten hits of acid at a time. Of course you're going to touch that guitar and make fucking crazy sounds, man. What do you expect to happen? He was, he was a good musician, but I don't think he deserves to be on the same level as Eric Clapton, for example. Just oh, like that, you're killing me today. <laughs> just like I don't think I don't think that Bendis deserves to be on the same level as Brubaker or Miller or or I mean or any of the greats. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I I I would still say he holds a pretty because I mean again, and I I think it personally, I think it comes down to personal taste. Um, and you know, there are some people who would feel that he's. It, their style just doesn't work for them, and they'd be perfectly justified in that. But um, I don't know. I I never like it. It can be repetitive and, and a problem, and, and certainly lately, it's I think it's been not as as quality as it as it should be. And I think that just kind of comes down to not having uh, as forceful editors as you probably should have. But I don't know. I I, yeah, I can still go back. Has. I can still go back to a lot of his work and find. The admirable qualities in it because i think more than anything to his old stuff, one of his yeah yeah, yeah when, no no not even his own stuff i mean i, I mean, can to go his back old to stuff oh well i mean like spider-man even, was, spider-man was fucking great man i mean oh, it was even amazing. even even some of the even some of the more recent stuff that he did oh. um like defenders towards oh. the end of new avengers and things like that they're they're at least to me, there were some redeemable qualities about that. But, okay, so um, I didn't read that yeah. Defender's Arc that he wrote. So you, you may have me there. I can't argue that there. But mm-hmm. pull back over into DC and show me one story arc that he wrapped up. Yeah, I, I, aside from, I would say, Batman Universe, there hasn't been a ton. Although I did admittedly enjoy the first two arcs of uh, 
action comics. It, it, it felt really? like it was more up. Yeah, yeah, no, genuinely. And and when I say that, it surprises a lot of people, um, because I think it worked a lot in his wheelhouse, where it was really focused on the Daily Planet, and it was trying to. I mean, aside from the stuff with Lois, which you know, I don't really want to touch that, but um, <laughs> that's that's a that's that's oh, a whole other. That? can of worms yeah. uh but there, there, there was some stuff with the planet that i really enjoyed and it, it felt like it was working better for him it felt like some of the better parts of alias but yeah i don't know i just like i i i, I hear i definitely heard what you were saying about some of this stuff and i i don't, I don't think i rated it quite as harshly as you did <laughs> he look um, he comes up with good ideas i won't take that away from him and i never have well sometimes uh well but, okay sometimes <laughs> but so, yeah Clark, uh, revealing Clark Kent's identity, you know, regardless of saying that this was going to change the face of comics forever, coming up with a thousand stories, I don't know about that. But I think <laughs> yeah. it, I think it was a good character move. I think the I think that uh, bringing the uh, Dial H for Hero and the Wonder Twins back, I think that was a very good move. I think that the creation of Naomi is a very good move. But I. I, I think that they were great ideas and they should have been handed off to somebody else. There's no reason why Brian Michael Bendis couldn't be in a creative director position. Do you know Do you know what I'm saying? Like he could have a great idea to where he got together with the creative team and said, hey, I want to throw this at you, see what you think. And I'm sure more than one writer is going to say, hell yeah, dude, let me see what I can do with this. Yeah, I, I think for, do it for him at least, it, it just really comes down to you need a, a character or a very core group of characters that you can really focus on that kind of work in your avenue that would be better for you to explore. Otherwise, it just it can feel a little messy, um, which is why I think, you know, in particular, Green Arrow and Black Canary really shine in in the past three issues because it feels like those are the ones that he at least has the most interest in along with superman still right. uh but um it, yeah i don't i don't know like i said i i, maybe, I, don't, I don't think i maybe i don't think i hated it as much and just did one character yeah yeah i like i said I, I don't think i hated it quite as much um and i i i still like the idea of uh i don't know light-hearted justice league sounds weird but but a justice league that isn't quite as <laughs> impending uh which is what scott snyder's justice league always felt like constantly building yeah. towards the thing that that doesn't happen um so I, I don't i don't hate that idea i just like i said um i i think it's it's messy at points and it struggles from trying to juggle too many characters doing their own things in in this particular issue but on the whole Man, there's no I, consistency I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I would say. Um, although I'll admit, and I'll probably get flack for this um, for whoever's listening, but the uh, I, I did laugh at the Ducktales line. I, it was just, it just kind of caught me Are off guard. Are you serious? <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's funny, but it came from Batman, dude. And seriously, I like Batman when he's not super dark and serious. It was the best part of Grant Morrison's ba- Batman. Say, it was the well, fact that he yeah, wasn't brooding. Grant Morrison's Batman. That's very true. But this just seemed like a one-liner that was simply tossed in there. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, th- I think it worked for me because it takes away anxiety attacks. I don't know why, but it works on everybody. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's because you start and, singing and I, I, I have a, well that, and it's just, it's like, it, it's like, it's like the thing of, if I say something random 
you're only going to be thinking about that random thing because I just said it and it caught you off guard, right? And it's supposed to deflate from whatever is bothering you. Yeah, we're um, and yeah, and it's like it's it's like you know Batman who deals with having to save people who are probably super anxious and terrified of whatever's going on. Oh God, Riddler's attacking or whatever it happens to be. I, I definitely feel like this is a technique he would have picked up. It's just like, oh God, I don't feel like dealing with these people who have anxiety attacks. So I'll just say some random thing so they'll stop thinking about it, and I can go back to doing my job. Um, or at least that was how you I constructed it in my mind. When but, there's uh, trouble, you call Batman and Robin too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, it was it was fine. You know, it, it didn't. It, it just it kind of it kind of struck me the same way the last issue did, which was not great, but not terrible. Um, and and some of the dialogue was definitely a lot of a lot jumpier this time. Although I don't think it was quite as bad as the last one, which was like I, there were definitely some scenes where it's like just take that line out. Like you don't need to put that there. It's uh, it's. I think I already made this joke in the last episode that we did, where it's it's like the old Marvel method, where it's like if there aren't words on the page, people aren't interested. And so he's like, I got to put as many words on the page as I possibly can. Right. Um, and like I said, I don't know if it was that bad this issue, but it's it's definitely still kind of a problem. But like I said, it wasn't terrible, it wasn't great. So I actually ended up giving this one a seven out of ten, just kind of average for me, um, which I, I guess is uh, is is really all I have to say about it. But uh, I just figured we, it we've out. talked a lot, Rob. What did you think? Aquaman deserved better. Six out of ten. <laughs> Hey, I just figured it out. Brian Michael Bendis is one of Stan Lee's interns that just didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, sorry, I, I didn't <laughs> hate the issue. The art was fantastic. And I am enjoying the way the story is progressing in a way. But I, I just... I my biggest gripe with Bendis is the characters and I feel like he never really gets the voices properly that whole DuckTales line as <laughs> funny as it was it felt really out of character for Batman and I think it would have Ugh. suited more like Green Arrow no what do you mean no <laughs> that sounds uh, just I don't like Holly man he's yeah. got no. a point there I don't know if, I just if, like I said I I, I don't know I, I, I kind of I, I relish every opportunity I can get where Batman is less of the, you know, I'm fucking Batman. I I know I know ten more things than you, and I've already devised fifteen ways to kill you and your entire family and shut you down if need be. And I've got contingencies and suitcases filled with things that I can take you down. It's just like ugh, enough, right? Like we got enough of that in the early two thousands. Yeah, that's true. It got a little dark around that. So, so I, I, yeah, I like I I try and relish the opportunities where Batman's like almost more of a, a a relatable human being, which I know sounds weird sometimes, but like I can, I can, I can get, it can get frustrating when it's just, it's because I don't know. And, and this might also sound weird, but I feel like it's easier to write a stereotypical Batman voice than it is to try and do something different, which doesn't necessarily mean that he should be running around saying whatever kind of nonsense. And, and there are certainly moments where he can sound out of character, but it's, it, I feel like it can be really easy to just have, oh, you know, I am the Dark Knight. I, my parents, I don't trust Superman. I push people away. I'm alone. I have a bat family, but I don't really have a family. <laughs> 
Like that's super easy. I could write it in my sleep, right? Uh-huh. But actually trying to craft something unique, I don't know, can be a lot more interesting for me at least. Well, you, you got a point there, but I think that we've seen it done right with Mariko Tamaki. Definitely... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I would definitely agree, right? Like that's a that that's the kind of that's the kind of push that I like. I, I, I'm not I, I want to make one thing clear. I'm not giving Venice a whole pass. <laughs> okay. I just I, I found it funny <laughs> well, in the moment and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. um but, but I mean yes, it, I, it I was agree. a funny line. That's definitely but... a better that's that's definitely a better execution. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, honestly, what bugged me about the line, and I'm going to be honest, I I heard what you said about the like Batman saying it and his crime fighting and going through the way and and realizing this could work. My issue isn't the fact that he said Ducktales; it's the fact that he then turned around like I don't know why it works. It just does. If he he would know like the psychological reasoning behind why this would, I would I would think. He it would, immediately, yeah, when I even read that like on the a page, line, it immediately put the theme song in my head. And if yeah. you hear the theme song, the Ducktales, how in the fuck could you think about anything but being happy? Yeah, I'm exactly. just saying. And even I mean, if there's it was, science behind it, even, even if he just said something like, "I could explain, but we don't have time," for him to just like absolutely have no clue why that would work, it just seems a little out of character for me. But that that was my issue with it. Maybe I don't know. He's pro- if if I had to guess, probably one of those like I know, but I don't. We don't have time. Well, yeah, you probably could have said I don't have time. So that's probably just yeah. a poor choice of dialogue. But um, that's just me. Yeah, if I had to guess, he probably does know. He's just like, all right, we don't have time to waste on this shit. We gotta go fight Brutus or whatever. Yeah. Unspoken. Anyway, words. Rob, what did you uh, what did you rate this issue? This is a six out of ten for me. Very cool. All right. Well, I think I think we've all had enough of this. <laughs> for a while. Oh uh, boy, so have I ever. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on to our, our next part of the issue, which is a backup featuring the Justice League Dark. This backup was brought to us by Rom V with art by Zermanico, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Rob Lee. Uh, in Las Vegas, a weakened ragman fights off fictional mythological creatures without much hope. Just as one creature almost gets the upper hand on ragman, the JLD seemingly intervenes to save the day. Uh, but they're quickly overwhelmed as well. So Zatanna is basically forced to use her magic at the behest of Constantine, yet there's some kind of unknown cost lingering over it. Uh, we're not really sure what that is, and it does send the creatures back to the realm of fiction, but something is clearly bothering Zatanna about the use of magic. But the chaos is only beginning, however, as they need to stop Merlin from gathering all his former relics of power, starting by descending into an infinite library to stop him getting his Eternity Book. Elnara Rashtu, our knight from the first backup, knows this as well, and she leaves the hospital after healing to head to Gotham City. But for the JLD, well, to find a way to stop Merlin's pursuit of the book, they'll need to seek an audience with someone else. And that someone just happens to be the ruler of the infinite library, the man of the book. Um, yeah, super cool backup. Uh, I did find this one. I think I think I'm definitely noticing the um, the the not the pacing problem, but just the the fact that the story is really hindered by the lack of pages. Like I could really feel that it was only ten pages, and they were really trying to stretch it out this time. Which isn't to say that it was bad, just that it it felt kind of abrupt, like. They're in the library, and you're expecting them to, you know, finally get the audience with uh, the man of the book, and then it just ends. And I was like, "What? No! Don't stop! I want to know more." 
Um, so yeah, it just I felt like it kind of suffered for me this week, where I was like, I I just I wish if you were gonna have it be shorter, maybe we could get a little bit more substance than just they kind of fight off the monsters and then go into the library. Yeah. Um, but overall, I ended up giving this one a seven point seven five. I was you know still enjoying it. I just like I said, I I think it really kind of is really starting to suffer from not having enough pages to the point where I'm just like please just just let it have its own book just let it be no let it be free uh-huh. see I'm I'm right over on the other side of that man I'm like I am so thankful that we're getting these few pages that I'm just <sighs> like uh okay I guess it's like when you have a, a show that you absolutely love and they don't have a regular release schedule like Saturday Night Live, for example. Let's say you love Saturday Night Live. Or Adventure and, Bros. Or Adventure Brothers, right? There you go. And they are on like for three weekends in a row. And then you go to sit down Saturday night and you got your popcorn. You're ready to laugh your ass off and watch Saturday Night Live. And for no fucking reason, it's not on TV. Uh-huh. It happens all the time. So, I mean, I I look forward to it, man. It's just, oh yeah, I, no, I, I, I definitely I, feel I definitely, that. I'm just not uh-huh. holding it against the book. Yeah, no, I definitely look forward to it. Uh, it's just I, I think for me, where I was like, I'm really, I'm really digging the Merlin plot. I just, yeah, I, I feel like I want it to to move along a little more, just because I know it only has ten issues, and right. you kind of want to make all those pages count. Uh, again, yet another reason it should be twenty, because you could really flesh it out and do as much as you want, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe in we'll Fear State, we'll get a Justice League Dark book again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm still like, I don't know. I, I still have my ideas of, of what you could do to bring it back. Um, and I still think, Josh, your idea of bringing in Joe Hill is killer. Because I think there's so yeah. much that you could do with that idea. and it, Plus, it would bring people in because they know Joe Hill and they know Lock and Key and um, I, I, I'm still Thorns. pitching for Alan Scott to be in the Justice League Dark, but uh, alas, that will never be. We'll just we'll just have to take these tiny morsels like we're Oliver Twist. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was pretty pretty solid. So uh, what did you guys rate it? What did you think first? Yeah, I I love this story, and I agree. I wish it was his own book, but yeah, I, I will definitely take what I can get. And how do you guys feel about this this person in Gotham that the knight is going to see being Madame Xanadu? That'd be cool. I didn't know she was in Gotham. I thought that, I, I'll be honest, I, it might just be like the few times I've seen her recently, but I th- thought her main store was in Gotham. Uh, she's but the last, hell, the last probably half dozen times we've seen Xanadu. She's been at the Oblivion Bar, but yeah, uh, or well, the last I remember, and this is probably like maybe a, a year ago, was she was in London. She had like a shop in London, and she was meeting Hawkman there. Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, Xanadu, so she could be flipping anywhere or yeah. anytime. Oh yeah, so. I'm sure. I'm sure. Definite possibility, though, Rob. For yeah. sure, man. Oh, we'll see. But I, I'm loving the story. Keep it up. Eight out of ten for me. Good. I want it to be Xanadu now. 
<laughs> All right, quick note here. I had to I had to Google this shit. Um, the page by page bookshop is not a real thing in Las Vegas. I spent a couple years out there, so I was like, how have I not heard of this? Well, it turns out it's not real. Uh, but a little research showed me that it actually is a real place in India. And it's like, I'm, oh. if I'm not mistaken, it's some kind of like free book trade that you can access from only inside of India in certain areas. Mm. So, but I thought that was pretty damn cool. And this book is kick-ass, dude. I mean, since I was a kid, I have always, always been into the King Arthur mythology. I think I, like, watched that old Sword in the Stone movie a long time ago, and I've been hooked ever since. Oh, yeah. I love the the little animated Disney one that they have. I watched that all the time when yeah. I was sick for some reason. <laughs> it was just a really good show, man. And yeah. going past having Merlin as a bad guy. And, and introducing this 13th knight, Sir Alnara Rashtu of Anatolia, of the round table, is just completely kick-ass. Just my personal opinion, but it's kind of neat to see that fleshed out. I don't think I've ever seen it done in comic books before. I've seen it done in movies, but it's always been really crappy movies where they've done it. So, um, I'm digging that part. Now, listen, Brandon, tell me what you think about this, though. Um, even though it says in that caption box that she is oath sworn to King Arthur, Merlin was Arthur's magician, right? So could mm. she be aligned with Merlin? Could that voice in her head be Merlin? And she's it, with him on his side instead of the good guys? It could be. Um, although it, it definitely made them made it seem like Merlin has gone too far. We need to do something about it. Oh, so you need I, to go here. But it, yeah, it could, it could be. I yeah, it that could definitely be some it, deception. I missed that part um, about Merlin. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, it could definitely be some deception where it's like, oh, Merlin is going too far. We need you to pick up these artifacts, and then it oh, turns yeah. out that the voice is actually Merlin, and you basically just done his work for him. But yeah, uh, uh, we'll, you know we'll what? I bet you Brandon's right. I bet you. you <laughs> Yeah. But, all right. So the art looks awesome throughout this whole story. DC, thank you so much. I know I've said it before, but thank you so much for taming Zermanico and Fiardo with Ron V. Seriously, it's even better than him with Blanco and Bel Air, and that team is fantastic. It continues to mesh with the feel of it throughout the whole story. The art lines up perfectly. You know what I mean? And it's, and I'm still really into it, if you can't tell. One point of contention or I guess rather a question here, and I'm not taking any points off of this, I'm just I'm just curious. The next chapter is called Enter the Bragman. He's been in here for two issues now. <laughs> but uh, regardless, man, I'm giving this an 8.75 out of 10 for this story. The whole book, I have to, with a, th yeah, I got to round this up to six. Heavy heart. Yeah, I have to round this up <laughs> to six out of 10 because, it's not fair to Ram V to drag it down that much. So it's 6 out of 10 for me for the whole book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my final score for the whole issue uh, after I gave this back up a 7.5 is a 7.25. Like I said, I think overall just solid issue, but I, I, I think it, it's, yeah, it, it, the main story had its own flaws and the backup story, while I am super invested in the actual plot, Again, just just some of the the I guess pacing choices would probably be the right word. Um, just just in the limit of having ten pages, just kind of didn't really work in this issue for me. But so be it. Uh, 
Rob, what did you think? What was your final score? Uh, yeah, for the whole book as a whole, one amazing story, one okay story. I'm going to give it a seven, kind of call it in the middle. Mm-hmm. In the middle is five. We grade on a score of uh-huh. ten, not fourteen, man. In the <laughs> what middle is this is math? Five. What is this math? <laughs> is that common core shit? Oh my god! <laughs> send him back to algebra, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, all right. That's well, speaking of uh, yeah, speaking of uh, Blanco and Blair, it's a good way to transition into our next book, which uh, features those particular creatives in Catwoman number thirty-one. Uh, and without any further ado, I'm going to let Rob take care of that one for us. Gladly. So we have writer Ram V with art by Fernando Blanco, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters from Tom Napolitano. Catwoman is held at gunpoint by Sidhart Roy. He demands to know how she got away with Ivy. She explains her Ocean's Eleven-esque plan, which involved lots of misdirection, and it was fantastic in my opinion. Upon realizing he's lost Ivy permanently, Mr. Roy describes a fear of what Simon Saint would do to him and proceeds to shoot himself in the head. Selina then escapes and regroups with her team. They realize later on that Leo is not there, and we then find out that Leo has been taken and is being tortured by Father Valley. So, yeah, uh, holy shit. Mr. Roy is... There's... So there is a guy in our network, on our Slack network, that has a theory about Simon Saint that he is, in a way, the Scarecrow. That it actually is Jonathan Crane. And with this new chapter in Catwoman, I am fully subscribing to that theory. The use of just fear being put into Mr. Roy, it just scream scarecrow and if that's even just a case of the fact that scarecrow and simon saint are working together or what who knows but i fully agree with the fact that simon saint could very well be jonathan crane at the end of it all the only thought that i have against that idea is that crane if i'm remembering correctly and i think i am if if crane was saint he seemed awfully scared of the magistrate in Harley Quinn's Future State book. And if he is Simon Saint, that wouldn't line up. Unless yeah. that was completely theatrical, or they're just gonna blip that part out of existence. That'll be the part one of the parts that don't stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I I think it had mentioned in the first infinite frontier issue of batman that simon saint was kind of like this established tech guy who had moved specifically to gotham well lived in gotham city moved away and then moved back um and i mean it's it's entirely possible that scarecrow could have just cooked up that identity no problem but it sounded like he was in arkham for a while before that so i just i don't know i don't know how that would work out timeline wise like you I guess maybe he could have escaped from Arkham and then set up the identity for a couple months and then conveniently had a fake body placed so that if there was a, an attack at Arkham, someone could find it. And I don't know. I, I just I think it's possible, but you'd have to have a pretty airtight explanation for how that would how that would work. All right. Flipped idea here. What if Jonathan Crane died? 
And it's Simon Saint running around pretending to be the scarecrow. Now, I, I think that's probably more likely. Trying to induce fear, dropping the scarecrow dummy off yeah. at Nakano's house instead of yeah. actually attacking him with fear gas. I, I, I was actually taking it a step further in that maybe Saint and Crane had a secret past and this is just a form now that crane is you know supposedly dead this is a form of saint psychosis where he's basically seeing these images of scarecrow taunting him and haunting him and he's the one who's basically been driven so crazy that he's running around a scarecrow and so the flash forwards that we've had each issue where batman is being you know taunted by the scarecrow that saint dressed as scarecrow just completely off the deep end but i could be wrong in that one all right everybody out there there is three completely different theories about simon saint and the scarecrow which one of them is right shout at us and let us mm -hmm. know because one of us has to be that always happens oh, that's yes. just the Definitely. way this works so <laughs> one of us is right not robot comics at gmail.com give us a holler you can also shout at us on twitter at not robot comics and uh one of us will get back to you well yeah it won't be brandon but one of us will get back to you. <laughs> They'll let me know if someone says something, and I'll, I don't know, I'll send you a prize. We'll even respond to you right on the show. But, yes. uh, yeah. I interrupted you long enough. <laughs> I do have one other theory about this issue, completely aside from Simon Saint and Mr. Roy. This mysterious man that keeps showing up in a big hooded coat and a nice hat. That's a very bad description. <laughs> <laughs> I this got man. a better description. Uh, Reverend Fuck-A-Dude Up. Reverend, <laughs> Reverend Kitty Killer. Reverend Gonna Whoop Ass. <laughs> he is, he is, I don't care. He wears a cross around his neck, and he is one bad mofo. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Father Valley? Oh, yeah, that's, Father Valley. That's not yeah. Father Valley. Okay, yeah. not, oh, I thought you were talking okay. about Father Valley. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Well, he, he his his costume is just outrageous. I love that costume. Yeah. But this man that is on Catwoman's side, I think I was looking at the couple of panels he was in and just the shading of it on his oh, you're, face. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Oh yeah. Okay. That uh, yeah. that and just the fact that the writer is Ron V. I made this theory a few weeks ago when I think it was issue two of Swamp Thing when when um, oh no, it was issue three of the Swamp Thing when Poison Ivy made an appearance I think they're doing a, a mini crossover without it being a big thing I really think this guy could be Swamp Thing he's got the height that shading is just iconic we'll see but Honestly, that's what I think the outline kind of made me think of Hush like wrapped mm. in his bandages he's got the uh, trench coat kind of thing going on there that's what it made me think of. That'd be interesting. But Hush is, like, very psychotic, though, isn't it? I would, never would have figured him to be a friend to Selena. There's... He's crazy. Oh, yeah. And he, I mean, he's 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 been on both sides of the coin. But, uh, I mean, it just... It, I'm not saying it definitely is. I'm just saying the outline reminded me of him. But mm. it would be interesting to see Ron V take control of that character and work him into a Catwoman story. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. holy balls, guys. The dialogue for Catwoman is perfect. Definitely. Like, literally. This, I've never read Catwoman written this good since my sister's keeper. 
and I, that that's like a Catwoman book that I hold near. And yeah, near my I, I would say I would say probably the best since I mean for me at least since Genevieve Valentine did kind of the um, mobster Catwoman right after Batman Eternal, which yeah. is a really 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 well done one, and I, I don't think that one gets enough credit. Uh, I don't yeah, think your I, sister's I, keeper does either. You're you're oh, right. Yeah. That's that is an excellent art for Catwoman. Yeah, well, yeah. It's I mean, it's it's weird. There are a lot of great Catwoman stories, and they just kind of like get glossed over. I think just because Batman shines so bright, he he, despite being a man of the shadows, he's so bright he kind of drowns everyone else out. <laughs> um, sometimes, at least. But but yeah, there's some pretty great Catwoman stories out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that we just mentioned, Sisters Keeper and and the uh, the Genevieve Valentine run in particular, definitely solid ones that I'd recommend. But anyway, I think honestly, I think the growing diversity of the comic buyer is contributing a lot to the increase of these other characters. That so now that we aren't, well, we still are getting Batman shoved down our throat, but it's not mm. all about the big money makers anymore. They're they're allowing these things to branch out, and they're allowing new voices to come in, and I think that's because they realize that they need to appeal to a new crowd now. You yeah. Know, the, 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 this is no longer the Silver Age comics, and it's time to grow the hell up. Yeah, well, maybe maybe don't grow up too much. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. as, uh, as a production company, not in the yeah. comics. Hmm. We don't need yeah. them any grittier than they are now. Yes, yeah. yes. With the exception of DuckTales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we oh, don't, we don't need, you know... 15 Tom Kings. I, I think oh I could live without oh, that. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> DuckTales by Frank Miller would be amazing. What the uh, fuck? That would be really funny. <laughs> Actually, I think, I think my favorite... I was watching a, a, a podcast, um, or listening to a podcast, rather, and they were talking about like weird creative teams that you'd love to see but would never happen. And I think my favorite one had to be... I forget who they named as the, the artist... <laughs> but they they had Alan Moore pitch for Miss Marvel. I was like, oh, that would be so funny. It would be so, like, bizarre. But is it weird that I kind of want to see it, though? That, that would be very, very interesting. He never would. He never would. He would never touch another superhero in his life. But it would be really funny. But anyway, sorry. Crazy I, creative I team, off. dream team. Yeah. Taylor and Snyder writing together with yeah. Alex Ross drawing everything. Oh, <laughs> there were some, there were oh, some yeah. good ones that they mentioned some that I'm, I'm still like I still really would want to see even though I know they will never ever happen um, like you know Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason doing yeah. Spider-Man <laughs> oh, wow. which would be Damn. incredible would and if be. you I mean if you're I, I know I don't think you guys are but if you're reading which the Spider-Man, Spider-Man book right now um, um, loose. they actually got Pat as a new suit Oh yeah, no they they got Pat Gleason to do a couple of the issues, and he does an incredible job. And that's why I'm just like, oh, I would love to see Tomasi get get a chance to do the uh, do a Spider-Man. But anyway, we're 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 going full tangent. Um, yeah, a little. Bit. What did you What did you guys think of this issue as a whole? Rocky, I gave this a score yet? No, I, I I gave this an eight out of ten. Definitely understandable, yeah. dude. Yeah definitely understandable um, so uh that new chick that's called the white witch it's w-i-g-h-t right and i i, I only know this because i'm an uber dork when it comes to pretty much 
all mythologies, but it did not come from Game of Thrones, like I'm assuming some people assume the White Walkers. But uh, a white is this supernatural resurrected being, and the weird thing is that it comes from a whole bunch of different mythological creatures. Mm. Um, but uh, so that's I'm thinking that's probably a clue to who or what she is and what her backstory might be. And considering that it's paired with the word witch, I think that's pretty safe to assume that that's the case. I think that it's a lady that was resurrected from the dead, and I don't know if she's got magical powers, but she's definitely, I mean, Saint calls her perfect, so she's definitely been, been enhanced, maybe cybernetically, maybe on a DNA level, who knows. But, yeah, uh, I assumed it was something with the green, just because she had the, the green eyes, and they had kidnapped Poison Ivy earlier, but I could be wrong about that. I mean, well, I mean, I guess yeah. if they're gonna say that infusing her with poison ivy would make her perfect, I mean, I, yeah, uh, I, I hope that they stretch that out in a couple different directions. But mm. uh, with this uh, poison ivy, um, no poison ivy, just ivy, no poison, just ivy. I'm assuming here that ivy's personality's just been flat out split into this one keeps saying no poison, just ivy, and the other one that we saw in uh, uh in a swamp thing was just pretty much evil and mean so maybe she's no ivy just poison i don't know and uh <laughs> poor leo he gets to show up and have a part in a catwoman book again and he gets stuck with reverend fucking dude up and <laughs> and uh oh man it's not only is this story fun but like i said the 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 persona for Catwoman, it, it, this is amazing. Blanco, Belair, and Ron V have given us a Catwoman book that Selena Kyle herself would be proud of. I am giving this a 9.5 out of 10 all day long. Also, that chick, the White Witch, it's super cool how she can teleport and make it look like an old-fashioned tur- TV being turned on. I thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought this uh, this issue was really really great and uh, and and still continues to to please um, and uh, yeah I, I mean I feel like you kind of said it all so I don't really have much else to say but I ended up giving this one an eight point five out of ten. Cool, cool. All right. Well, if there are no final thoughts, then we can move on to our next book, which is Wonder Girl number one. And uh, Josh, do you want to tell us all about that one? Yeah, because I've been waiting for it for a while, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Story art and cover on this one came from Joelle Jones and Jordi Belair, and that is a creative team that I can get behind. Lettering came from Clayton Cowles, and now onto the book. So this one is just an intro. It's a look into Yara arriving in Brazil for the first time, obviously way pre-future state. It, in fact, it starts off with Yara as a child, and this part is, is done, it's done really, really well. We see Yara as a kid with her village being attacked by skeletons wearing knight's armor. They leave, but not before killing most of the people. Yara acts out and gets all badass and stabs one of the attackers, and her mom steps into, you know, in front of her in her place. We don't see all of it, but we definitely see enough. The Skelonite, I guess we can call it, cut her mom's head off right in front of Yara, and that's bound to fuck the kid up. 
Uh, she she, uh, she doesn't remember her childhood, though, and her aunt won't tell her anything about her time in Brazil when she was young. And that was, uh, that was mentioned in our future state stories, too. So, anyway, Yara is arriving in Brazil. She takes this bus tour, and then there's this accident, car accident in front of them. She jumps out to help. That's all wrapped up. They finish the bus tour. They're all at this fishing dock, and that's when we see some crazy shit. Yara's Bolero from Future State rises up out of the water and pulls Yara in. The book sends her face-to-face with some evil-looking mermaid-type sea creature. While all of this is going on, we get a look at Themyscira, Mount Olympus, and Bonamigdal. And all of those places, their leaders, Nubia, Hera, and Queen Faruka, they all sense something is wrong and they are preparing for battle. They refer to the enemy as a woman and a weapon is mentioned, but it doesn't give us any clues whatsoever, unless I miss them, that it's Yara, the evil mermaid thing, her bolero, or something completely different. These two, as a creative team, just keep making me happy. Every book they've been put on together so far, this is nothing but a setup issue. <laughs> it's you, man. Uh, this is nothing but a setup issue, and that may actually stretch out a few issues, but I'm hoping that this stays around for us to get the good stories that I think is going to come out of this book, man. I'm going to have to give this one an 8 out of 10. I had fun yeah, with this. So very so cool. Fun. Art's yeah. beautiful, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rob, what did you think? Yeah, it's just an amazing first issue. I'm so excited to see where this goes. And I'm just going through the issue along with your description. And I just had to stop and look at that splash page of Yara arriving in Rio. And it's showing off all these bits of other characters in the DC universe. And there's just a, a couple that I don't recognize. Some could just be like people in the world, but there's a smoking crocodile wearing lipstick and eyeshadow. And it's just like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you recognize that? No idea. Anything? Assume oh. some new villain or something. Uh, new character. Yeah. Oh, that we'll see. But yeah, I I love this. The art is fantastic. The story is very interesting. I can't wait to see where this goes. She's a, a one of the best characters, best things to come out of Future State, and I have nothing but high hopes for her future. Yeah, I can't agree with you more on that. Yeah. Definitely one of the best things to come out of Future State. Oh, definitely. My only gripe with this issue was that it was so short because I just want to see more. And especially with the way that ended, oh my god, I want to see what happens. Well, I think I'm, we're looking at an easy three-issue setup to everything that's going to be going before the action kicks in. But, mm-hmm. honestly, I'm cool with that, and I usually am not. I want them to have plenty of time to flesh this story out, you know? Oh, I mean? definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely do not want this story to be rushed by any means, but just give it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I like the idea of all the Amazon tribes in the world finally not exactly coming together but being all together in the same story i i did not read a lot of wonder woman in the past so i don't really know much about each tribe but over the past few years they've highlighted all the different versions of amazonians and just to see them all together in one book i think is a very nice idea i can't wait to see where that goes either so this for me is an 8.5 awesome 
there's one of the uh, Amazonian camps that are missing. Uh, right before Tony Orlando left Wonder Woman, he gave us these the secret hidden area of the Amazons, which is where Yara 4 comes from. But uh, it seems that in that place they've added the uh, Olympian gods, yeah? Hera's going yeah. after them too. I, yeah. Whoever they're going after is not going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll move on to our final issue for this week, and that is Infinite Frontier Secret Files number three. Uh, this was brought to us by Joshua Williamson and Dan Waters with art by Stephen Byrne and colors by Stephen Byrne with letters by Tom Napolitano. So following the revelation of Alan Scott as a gay man, this issue is kind of a, a character study of the heroine Jade, who is having doubts about the effectiveness of her abilities after having died and then being reborn as the universe was reborn and also being wiped out of existence because the JSA didn't exist and a lot of crazy stuff. But And she says that her powers don't feel right. Yeah, Something's she's off. feeling insecure about her powers. And yeah. she has some conversations with her brother Todd before running off to fight an old Infinity Inc. villain named Chroma. Uh, but after dealing with Chroma in a way that should leave them satisfied at least for a while, but not really dealing with her in any final way, Todd gives Jenny a pep talk about living their lives despite the danger, which reinvigorates her spirit and confidence in her abilities and sets her up for all the things to come next. Um, I I'm always a big fan of the, the old Infinity Inc. crew, and Jade happens to be one of my favorites just because um, she, was, she was in a lot of the stuff with Kyle Rayner and... I really grew to like her there. Yep, me um, too. And, uh, and I'll, I'll take any more of that I can get. So uh, I hope we get to see more of them, and I hope we get to see more of the, the JSA too. But um, I ended up giving this one an 8 out of 10. How did you guys feel? Um, they keep dropping JSA shit all over the place. So, I mean, uh -huh. I think it's going to come back in full force, and I like that. Yeah. Oh, and I've on. always liked Jade and Obsidian individually. I mean, I don't even give a shit if they're related to you. They're, individually, they're pretty cool characters. And I feel like they've largely been ignored since way back when Kyle Rayner was a major, major player. And mm. that's unfortunate. Uh, it's also unfortunate for Kyle Rayner the record <laughs> yeah. uh, but um i like that there's a little more to explore with the character of jade i hopefully we get to see some of that outside of a secret files book this was fun the premise is good the art looks really great uh with the exception of the very first time that chroma shows up on the page the first time we see them on the page chroma is kind of drawn like osita from tom taylor's squad run i mean Meaning she looks like a very big muscular woman, but that's not the case for the rest of it. You, do you see what I'm saying? Are you looking at it right now? She's, she's buh, man. She's oh, yeah. beefcake. Uh, but uh, I had fun with this, man. I wish there was more, a little bit better than just a comic book, but 90% of that is just because of how short it is. Considering that, this one gets a 7 out of 10 for me. Nice. Rob, how did you feel? Yeah, I felt the same way that it's just too short. I, I love these characters. I want to see more. And quite honestly, just with all the talk of the Starheart in the Green Lantern book right now, I'm thinking if Jade's not going to be just a major player in Infinite Frontier as a whole, she might pop up over in that book for a little bit. Yeah. 
Or maybe they're going to take those aliens from the GL book and have her interact with them in something else. We'll see. But I, I, yeah. I'm very excited about what's going on with the Starheart. So I made a, I made a boo boo just today. I, I, I fucked up just today, and uh, I accidentally clicked the link for solicitations, and I don't do that. I do oh. not do that. I wait for preview copies, and that's the only heads up that I get. Like, if I'm behind on reading a week, I won't even go on to social media. I mean, I'll, if, if I need to post on Twitter, I'll go, I'll post on Twitter, but I will not read any posts. I don't want shit spoiled for me. Can't handle that. But anyway, so don't go looking at the July solicitations unless you want to know exactly where several fucking people are going to be very soon. Oh, shit. I, I frequently look at solicitation, so it got me <laughs> really excited. <laughs> yeah. That's that's usually how I how I gauge my interest. Yeah, go go look at the cover for Infinity uh, for Infinite Frontier number one. Yeah, do you see it? Oh yeah, no, there. It seems like they're they're all there, which is which is really nice. I'm still I don't know if 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 uh, I sound like a broken record at this point, but if, if I can't have Alan Scott in the JLD, maybe I can settle for Obsidian or, uh, or Jade. I just want one of them to be in the Justice League Dark, okay? Is that such a crime? <laughs> no. Please. No, really. Plus, Rom V already had Obsidian in uh, the Future State Swamp Thing story. I mean, he didn't really do anything, but he was just there. There's already some interest. Like, just give me one of them, please. All right. Do you guys think that this is going to end up being the Justice League? The, I guess Odyssey, the, the you know the Justice League Omniverse. This team here. Oh, the team on the cover looks yeah, because that looks like Barry Allen. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. think it's just this particular team because they kind of already have the Justice League, the Omniverse, the um, the multiversity. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Is, is that what was her name? Director Chase, the old director of the DEO, mm, next to Barry. There doesn't she have brown hair? I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen her in a book. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is Chase. It is Chase. I, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty. Cameron Chase. Cameron right. Chase. That's it. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'll be. It'll be interesting to see if if like this is like a team book for this whole six issue run, or if these are all just going to be like interconnected stories and they're all going to have their individual thing. And we'll have to see. We will have to see. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to accidentally click on any damn solicitation box. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that that's done, let's break down our top three books for this week and a standout moment if you have one. So, Rob, do you want to start us off? Gladly. So, coming in at number three for me is Wonder Girl. What a wonderful first issue. I am so excited for the future of this character in this book. Number two, mm-hmm. uh, my my top two, I'm kind of flip-flopping. I, I can't decide which one I liked more, so I kind of want to put them as, like, a tie but at the same time, I don't know. So I'll, I'll read it as I wrote it. Number two, I had The Flash. What a fun book. And the art's fantastic. Another one, I cannot wait to see where it goes. And the next issue is going to be a riot. Oh my god, that's going to be great. And number one, I had Nightwing. What bad thing can you say about this book so far? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> the art is fantastic. The rating is so much fun. Tom Taylor can do no wrong. I've been saying this for so long. We need yeah, to well, get except this for DC's written Dead in Planet stone. for me. But oh, you didn't like Dead Planet? Part. No, not oh, really. Shoot. Oh yeah, I, no, I, it was I kind of boring for me. Of, well, yeah, it wasn't meant to be action packed. It was more just oh, a yeah. read through the characters thing. And I, I mean, that's the kind of shit I love, man. That's that's uh, the only reason why I love Tamaki's Batman. It's just yeah. I think you know, I think character. I don't know. I think I'm probably in the minority for this, but I I didn't. Like I wasn't super in love with the first deceased. I guess we're going on another tangent. Here it goes. But I kind of, I kind of picked up the the uh, this the DC's Dead Planet just kind of on a whim, just because I wanted to see where it was going. And I remember it was actually the same problem I had with the first deceased, where it was like I really enjoyed the first two issues, felt like good setup, and then it was kind of spinning its wheels for like the last five, um, and I, I like kind of ended up just just buying it because i wanted to have a complete set and uh, afterwards i was just like i don't want to do that anymore because now i just i have like five issues of dc's that I'm, i don't know if i'm ever going to read them anytime soon but I read, yeah, it didn't I really do it for me months, uh oh yeah, yeah no it didn't I, really do it for me i want them to make an animated short movie out of it and that would be amazing game. i yeah. loved deceased so much <laughs> yeah. i know a lot of people i don't know i got tired of every single run just like brandon said a lot of people got tired of it but i just had fun it was a yeah. good good read. Uh, that's fair that's fair i, I think uh, in the end i still kind of enjoy marvel zombies more but uh but what i'm i'm, I'm definitely in the minority for that <laughs> one. oh my god oh no yeah. <laughs> oh my oh god uh, I, I enjoyed marvel zombies when it started but it i as it went on it just got really complicated Oh yeah, I mean not like any of the spin-offs or anything, like just the the core series and that's uh, it. Like I, I didn't read any of the sequels or anything like that cuz I, I I didn't have the I did not have the interest in it that much, but you know, the the first Marvel Zombies was just kind of it was kind of fun and you know, I had some really good art by Sean Phillips. Well, yeah, but, the art yeah, was fucking That's true. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And just what you were saying Josh about a DC's video game, as soon as you saw it or as soon as you said it, I pictured a DC zombie shooter with Green Arrow. <laughs> yes, shooters. that would be I would love ass. that. <laughs> I, I I know, and this is one thing I forgot to mention in the news section. There's a lot of talk about Discovery and Warner Brothers and AT&T with mergers and split ups and whatnot. And the WB Gaming section is being split between two different companies for some reason. It's really complicated. And but, dumb. The whole idea oh, is yeah. stupid. But. Oh, yeah. And they might be selling Rocksteady, which is even dumber. But just mm-hmm. like listen to us. Do this game, <laughs> please. <laughs> this game. You can choose from four different players, okay? Yeah. That you can choose between Deathstroke. Oof. You can you can choose between Deathstroke, Poison Ivy. Jason Todd. Jason Todd. Oh, and uh, um, Zatanna. Oh, damn. That would be awesome. That would be five wildly different play styles. Or four mm-hmm. wildly different play styles. Oh, my God. See, that Re- does sound like a fun game. Replayability. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, besides all that, my favorite moment. Uh, okay, now again, I'm kind of conflicted because as much as I want to pick any page and panel from Nightwing... 
because they're all so beautiful. Yeah. I'm gotta love that last page of the flash and I still won't spoil it, but it just floored me. It was fantastic. And it, I've never been more excited for a book just based on comedy than I have been in that last page of the flash. It's going to be a pretty good, a pretty good setup. Hopefully they don't pop them into that world and then, and then yank them out really quick. I hope yeah. I hope we get a whole damn issue of that. That'll be fantastic, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That one was definitely on my list of favorite moments too. By the way, <laughs> I knew someone else was gonna grab it though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number three pick. It was it was very hard between Wonder Girl and the Flash. A really hard pick. Even now, I'm not exactly certain I'm doing this the right way. But for number three, it was between those two. I scored the flash a bit higher. But some of that came from the relief of Wally not being a punching bag anymore. So I think I'm going to give this one to Wonder Girl. Nightwing is number two. It's great to see Nightwing both back to being his old self and seeing some character development that moves him along in a story that's not crawling at a snail's pace like so many of his have in the last few years. And Redondo. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that part. So, um, yeah, Nightwing's got number two. And number one has got to be Catwoman. This is pure, awesome creation. And I'm not exaggerating. It is an amazing story. It's beautiful to look at. And the world for Catwoman is like no other than that she's ever been given. And she has been long overdue. My favorite moment, I want to say that uh, aside from the last page of The Flash, because I did know someone was going to grab it, <laughs> I want to say that it's that double page splash where Yara says she feels the whole world is watching her and it shows all these different people in the background, Justice League and more. But I have to give it to the last page of Wonder Girl. I've gone back just a few times now just to, just to look at it, and that's that one where She's it. There's all that she's in underwater and she's kind of floating up and she's looking eye to eye with this really super skinny mermaid creature with this super long tail. And there's like glowing green lights, bioluminescent shit that's in the water. And oh man, it's just so pretty that that's definitely my favorite moment. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So my top three at, at three, I had. Uh, Infinite Frontier, Secret Files, number three. I just thought it was a really cool character study on Jade and Obsidian, and mm -hmm. those are characters that I really like, and it was well done. Um, it was. I, I, I don't really know that much about this Dan Waters guy. I mean, I know what he's done, but I haven't read a lot of his stuff, but most of the short stories that I've read from him have really impressed me lately, and I know he's done this book that came out recently. I know because we have the, the image books sent to us, called um homesick pilots yeah. and the the more i'm impressed with his kind of short stories the more interested i am in checking that out so honestly after reading this i might i might go take a look at that um but that was number three for me and number two i had nightwing number 80 tied with catwoman uh 31 both were just really really solid and uh um i mean artistically story-wise just, I feel like the Gotham books are firing on all cylinders right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and at number one, I, I actually had Wonder Girl. Um, it was, I just, I don't know, like the tone and everything was, it was my my favorite book this week. Um, just a really great, 
I guess, reintroduction, but maybe an introduction for some people um, to Yara Floor and to, to a lot of the things that are coming. And I mean, getting Joelle Jones to do a book is, is always a treat. And yeah. my, my hope is that she'll stay for, for a while just because, you know, with Catwoman, I think it got a little bit too crazy doing the story and the art. But it sounds like, you know, she's got some good plans um, for Wonder Girl. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And my standout moment was was actually also the last page of Wonder Girl number one. So instead of that, I'll give it to the um, sequence of, uh, of Nightwing and, and Robin fighting in uh, in Nightwing number eighty, where he kind of swings Tim around using the uh, Eskrima sticks combined as a staff, and they mm-hmm. taking down the two villains. It was just a really well done sequence, really well executed. So yeah, and it's uh, not really super great. duper detailed or or anything like that. It's the way it's presented is it's kind of simple. I'm not saying that it's it's like poor drawing by any means, but you know the way that they they draw it, you get the whole point of the whole action sequence. It's broken down panel by panel, and it just it looks fantastic, man. It's not it's not meant to be dramatic. It's just hey, this is a fight, and look how cool they fucking look. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, well that was fun, but this is even more fun. It's time for the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. So, which title made your stink list today, guys? Uh, I don't. Think, I think. I think we. Yeah. I think we all kind of know what yeah, the answer to that I, 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 one is. I, mean, so. I think I need to say it. <laughs> I cannot, in any way, shape, or form, have the ability to even consider how to express how incredibly, alarmingly, and completely fucking angry that I am putting Justice League as my stinker book yet again. Uh, another story that could be good if bendis was working at burger king uh but uh, shit i like or my, just had a, a I, better I, editor i think yeah, would be the maybe would be the case yeah but i like my whopper so i don't need him <laughs> there either uh <laughs> that's sorry I, that was a cheap shot i'm my bad. <laughs> i'm sorry i have to i have to admit to that <laughs> what about you rob where were you at Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody knows. Justice League is down there again. I do hope for more. But I won't hold my breath yet. Justice League Dark is bringing this book up, but this main story needs to have a bit more substance. And I get Naomi was a, a very interesting character, and and she's been set up in his previous books, but please stop leaving all your resolution for like other books where other better stories can be told. I enjoy Naomi, but I don't uh, need right. this big justice league book to be all about her. The finish to the story that you set up from 12 issues two years ago. I don't even, I mean, I'm okay. I, I don't, I don't want to make this a long one. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're even going to get that. I don't, it's not, I don't have a problem with character development. Everybody that's ever heard me talk about comic books knows that that's one of my favorite things. The problem that I have with Naomi is that Bendis has not developed her as a character. All it is, is I come from a different planet and I've got a whole bunch of powers and nobody knows what they are. I'm being reclassified as an Omega level superhero to a mega power. And that's about all we've gotten. And it's been over a year. 
So that's where I'm at with that. Let's move her forward. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I, I agree. And uh, yeah, no, for my, my biggest thinker, I also had uh, Justice League 61. Just uh, like I said, I, I didn't think it was too terrible. Just kind of a, an unremarkable issue that was definitely saved by the backup, which is uh, it's not what you want. Not what you want. But uh, any any final thoughts, guys? Oh, I've had lots of thoughts. I should, I should keep my mouth shut now. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. And that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week for more DC Comics Talk when we'll be reviewing Milestone Returns, Infinite Edition, Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, Batman Superman, number 18, Strange Adventures, number 10, Action Comics, number 1031, Harley Quinn, number 3, Detective Comics, number 1036, Robin, number 2, and Teen Titans Academy, number 3. Heavy week. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be here talking comics, and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. Don't. Just stop it.